0: Let's do that. we always do, I'm glad to be here, how about you? make some noise, yes, love it, love it, love it, love it, hey, why don't you keep those going one more time, let's welcome everybody who's going to watch on, online later this week, here we go, fired up, glad you're with us, a uh, buddy of mine, Dave, watches almost every single week online, fired up that you're with us, and, uh, and hey, uh, if I haven't met you, I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled that you're here with us, uh, really for week two of a series that we're calling Brave, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, ben mentioned that we are hosting our very first conference here. It's going to be called the Rise Conference. He mentioned that, and just so you know, we have a, a really kind of good friend of ours from a giant church in Indiana. It's called Granger Community Church in Indiana, and we have a guy named Mark Woltz. He is uh, he oversees 400 of their guest services volunteers at their church. has written three books on the subject of guest services, and he's going to be here to help us dial in this leadership principle of how do you love people? And uh, really, there's a tag phrase that we're gonna use throughout the whole morning of that RISE conference. It's gonna be, because people matter. We have to rise up because people matter, because people are gonna show up through our doors, because we're gonna run into people at Walmart, Hy-Vee, Fairway, uh, just on everyday life. But people matter, and so we got to ever increase this ability to love on people and point people towards Jesus, and so mark your calendars for that one. Again, Rise Conference, August twenty-six. be here. It's going to be well worth your time, well worth an invite to somebody. It's totally free, and uh, I just, I, you know, it's going to be a special morning, one to not uh, forget soon. But um, we are, uh, like I said, in the second week of a series called Brave, and here's why we're doing this thing called Brave. The truth is, life kind of demands it, doesn't it? I mean, last week we kind of launched this thing, and I kind of told you that life hits hard. Um, Rocky Balboa says that it'll beat you to your knees and keep you there if, you, if it lets it, you know, and it's just kind of hard. There's, there's thick of life that we're in. Some of us are in a dark season right now. Others of us, are it's going well, but we know just with the rhythm of life that it comes and it goes, and it's scary at times, and so what we're trying to do is we're literally trying to answer this question throughout this series. Where do you find your brave? That's what we're trying to answer. Where do you find yours? Um, the truth is a lot of us find our brave in a lot of different things. I'll keep this question on the screen for you. Some people find they're brave in their health. They find it in their own strength, and that's fine. I mean, that's good for a while, but what happens if you lose it? What happens if the diagnosis comes and you start to see that fade away? I mean, what happens is you maybe age into uh, an elderly season of life and you just go, man, where do you find your brave then? Other people I know will tell me that they find their brave in their security of their finances, their money, their job maybe, their spouse, their kids. And all those places are, you know, I understand why you'd place your brave there, but the truth is the hope for this series is literally this, that you would find your brave in Jesus and Jesus alone. That you'd place your brave there because the fact of the matter, the fact of life, is that he is the only stable person, this is the only stable thing that you can place your brave in where he comes through every time you call on him. And Jesus is a rock that you can hold on to. We find our brave in him. And so that's the hope, that's the movement that we've been going towards last weekend. We actually kind of launched the series by talking about one of the ways that I get fueled up in my brave I mean, how do I fuel myself? How do I, how do I increase this stuff throughout the week on you know, in the mornings? And, and I find it through worship. It's this idea that I'm going to kind of go before God, I'm going to sing, and at times it's not singing. There's times where I, when I'm just reading, and I call that worship. There's times when I'm taking a walk with my wife, and I'm worshiping God, thanking him for what's going on. But when I worship, I get dialed in on who God is, and I remind myself about who I am. And it increases my brave every single time. Just brave actually happens like that for me. But today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about habits. What are the habits of the brave? I did a quick Google search this last week, and I found out that there's a bunch of different habits. We all know this. There's, there's good habits. Habits, you know, uh, revolve around like working out. You know, driving SUVs is a good habit. And uh, maybe dating your spouse, good habit. There's bad habits, bad habits. Biting your nails, you know, being a Vikings fan. I've heard that's a bad habit. There's healthy habits. There's destructive habits. I mean, there's habits. I mean, you, if you type in habits on Google, you're going to see it just come up. I mean, there's millions and millions of articles written on this. But quite possibly the most fun to read about is annoying habits. I mean, I, you just start reading through this and you go, yes, that's my spouse. Yes, that's the guy next to me in the office, you know. Uh, so what I thought I'd do is before we kind of dive into a more serious you know, conversation, I thought I'd share with you the top five you know, most annoying habits that I found online this week. Um, the first one is this, kind of Jay Leno style. We'll work our way down. It's checking your phone while you're with other people. And it's, some of you, I can see the glow on your face right now. So it's like, put it away. You know? Checking your phone while you're with other people. It just is annoying. Can, have you ever been there? You're like, you ask the question, or somebody asks you a question, and before you can even answer, they're like, doesn't really matter, I'm going to check this out. You know? <laughs> like, just an annoying habit. And the, the fourth one that I found was this. Chewing anything with your mouth open. If you have kids, you I mean, this is just your life, but it's annoying. You just watch them. Quite possibly the worst is gum, you know, and I hate doing this for the recording. Like, you just feel like, oh, just feels bad, you know. The third is this, um, annoying words. Isn't it just a like, 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 uh, I was going like this, like, and maybe even worse is like, awesome sauce, have you heard somebody do that? Like, my hubby, my boo. You know, you're just like, what is that? Just annoying. Just, uh, just. The, the third one, and I just offended some of you. Like, I call my hubby hubby. You know, like I'm just, he thinks it's annoying, just so you know. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome to church. All right. <laughs> Passive aggressive signs. Now, time, if you don't think this is annoying, it's because you're the one who puts these up. All right? This is like in the workplace, by the coffee pot. Instead of having the conversation with the guy who left it full and didn't wash it out, you instead get all your bravery in like writing a sign saying, please empty me. All right, you put it right there. No courage, but just the passive aggressive, like shut the door. Or, you know, just, I mean, on and on. You get the, pa- the my, my absolute, you know, takes the cake on this one, is number one, is slow drivers. And can I get, yes, can let me hear it for those of you who are like, man, the only people who are not clapping right now, they're like, what's wrong with going the speed limit? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You are, you are, you're the reason. Like, you are the very thing that's wrong with going the speed limit, sorry cops in the room. But like, I'm telling you what, it's just an annoying habit. I'm like, get over, you know, like. Maybe i pointed a finger at you. I don't know, but I might have. All right, welcome again to City Point. But here's what I've read. There's a philosopher who wrote this about habits. He says this, that habits, there's really nothing stronger than a habit. And he's right. I mean, habits are thick, aren't they? They're hard to start. They're hard to break. I mean, especially hard to start great habits. I read an article this week that had this quote, and it says this, people often fail at building habits because it's easier, check this out, it's easier to do nothing. That's why we fail at our you know, New Year's resolutions, right? Because it's easier to do nothing than to do something new and potentially unpleasant. I thought that was brilliant. And I just go, that's what habits are, but here's what I find fascinating about us as humans, us as people who are driven by things and moved and motivated by beauty, motivated by seeing something hurting and you know you gotta do something about it, is when we are pushed, When you do get that doctor report and they say, you gotta develop some new habits, or else. Or you get pushed in a relationship and they say, hey, we gotta figure this out, or this might be severed. I mean, it's amazing to see what happens inside of all of us when when we almost build up some determination and we say, hey, I gotta make a change here, I gotta develop some things. And so for the rest of our morning, what I wanna do is, I wanna share with you four habits of the brave because here's what we all know. That life is just demanding of nothing less. If we walk around weak, timid, beat up, almost scared and nervous all the time, we miss out on life's best. And some of you, are, you're, in the, you're in that space. And to be quite honest with you, I just, I applaud you for coming, but the reality of your last month might have been so hard that you've lost some of that. And so today, it's my hope that you feel like you're being built into. And then maybe God would do something on the inside of you and just motivate you to, to build some, some habits that fuel your brave. These are four habits that you see through some of the most famous Bible characters, just so you know. So I think there are four noteworthy things. And so if I just want to dive in for you, if you're a note taker, you can write this down. The first habit of the brave is that brave people pray like It matters. They pray like it matters. And some of you might go, how's that brave? Well friends, quite honestly, in James it says this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This is what the brave do. They know that there's a power available to them through prayer. And they're not, a, they're not too ego like, I'm not going to pray. I don't. Brave people just go, shoot, that's a reality in front of me. I'm going to do something about it. And one of the very first habits that I lean into is I'm going to pray. I'm just going to ask God. I'm going to start praying like it matters. Last weekend, again, we teed up the conversation about this topic of worship well, the truth is that very story that I shared with you is of these two people, Paul and Silas, you can find their story in Acts chapter 16. It's a book of the Bible. And you, you know, pick up in the story of these two guys being thrown into prison, beaten up, torn up, you know, chucked in, chained up. And you just ask the question, why in the world were they thrown into prison like that? Was it because they stole something? No. Was it because they murdered somebody? No. Did they even do anything wrong? No, the truth is... They noticed a girl who was being mistreated. She was a slave girl. And they healed her and set her free. And her master was so upset about it that he falsely accused them, had him beaten up, thrown into prison, chained up and locked up into an inner cell. And that's where the story picks up. But let me again remind you in verse 25 and 16 where the where this was going. It says around midnight, while they were in prison, that's me typing in, Paul and Silas were. They were praying. Why? Because it mattered to them. Two of the most brave people in all of the pages of scriptures, when they were faced with a hard situation, they didn't say, we're gonna pull up our bootstraps and get the job done ourselves. They said, no, 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 we're gonna lean into a God who's bigger, who can take us further. It says they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Friends, the truth is, When we're face-to-face with our darkest hour, what do you turn to? Paul and Silas, they had a rhythm of turning towards worshiping God, connecting with God, and praying, saying, God, I want to just trust you. They prayed like it matters. Real quick question. What are you praying for right now? What's a biggie in your life right now? So the truth is, some of you are in the room and you're going, oh man, the minute you say that, I know I'm supposed to be praying for my marriage. My marriage could use prayer like it matters. That might be you. And I just simply ask you, would you develop that habit of the brave? Maybe you're going, I've never done that before. And I go, perfect, perfect. I mean, you might as well tap into God's power. I mean, his help into your life, because you see what's going on around you. I mean, the divorce rate has been the same for a while now. It's like 50%. So are you praying like it matters for your spouse? How about your kids? Are you praying for them? And I know some of you are like, whoa, man, I'm just checking this out. This is heavy. Am I just say, if you want to develop the habits of the brave, though, you spend time, Going before God and just saying, hey God, this is big in my life and I need you to pray. We're praying right now real practically. I know some of you are going to be like, that's not that big of a deal. Well, it is for me and Carrie that we're about to send our daughter Micah to school full time, you know, all day long. I don't know why it's nerve wrecking for us. I'm assuming maybe it is for most parents the first time they go through that. But it's just me being vulnerable going right now in our season, we're praying for her every single night. We pray, and we talk it up, and we just get her excited about going. But we're just going, we're building our brave through prayer. Other things that you could pray for is your future spouse, your neighbor, a family member, a friend. Don't be weirded out by this, but just so you know, me and Carrie, my wife, we moved here 10 years ago. And we started praying for you. We did, 10 years ago. When we started, when we moved in, we just made it a habit of ours that we'd pray for the people we'd come into contact with. It wasn't anything weird. It's just praying that God would do something in your life, that maybe you'd try church sometime. And we are starting to see answered prayer because we prayed like it matters. I know some of you are going, well, how do I do that? Well, a few months ago, I was joined on the stage with my wife, Carrie, and she shared. One of the ways that she prays, is she's a mother of four, she stays home, and there's not like, you know, hours on end where she has like all quiet in the house where she can just pray, you know, sit in the chair. It's like chaos all the time, and so she's just developed this rhythm of one-sentence prayers. That's what she prays. She'll see something going on, and she'll just pray a sentence prayer. God, I just pray that you'd be with Micah, that's our oldest daughter, as she builds up courage to go to school. It's her prayer. She doesn't go on any further than that or any less than it. She just prays a sentence prayer. And you can do that on your commute to work. You can do that in the morning while you're eating a bowl of cereal or some eggs. You can do that when you wake up and when you fall asleep. A one-sentence prayer where you remind yourself that there's a God who's crazy about you, and you can lean in to how good he is. Why, again, why would you do this? Well, in James chapter 4, it says this. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it dot 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 so pray like it matters just pray now this is not a scripture that you know makes God out to be a genie that you can manipulate he's a heavenly father who just desperately wants to hear from you and that's why Jesus you'd find him in the same rhythm of praying for what matters in Mark chapter 1 it says this before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Bravest human. What did he do? He prayed. And he prayed like it mattered. If you're still taking notes with me, the first habit of the brave is to pray like it matters, the second habit is to develop godly rhythms to develop godly rhythms. This is something that we see that Jesus does as well. This is uh, rhythms in his life that kind of keeps him brave. How does, he, how does he keep himself at a spot where he's willing to do whatever God asks him to do, to face whatever he's gonna face in life? Well, he has rhythms in his life that help him you know, be centered in on who God is. It's, it's brave-building rhythms. And the two rhythms that Jesus had was this, is he connected with God and he connected with others, how good is that? Connected with God, and he connected with others. This is what Jesus did. He connected with God. Again, if I can put Mark back up on the screen for you, Mark chapter one, it says, before daybreak, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place, and you could, right, to connect with God. It was a rhythm that Jesus had. He knew that he had to connect with God daily. And it's what fueled him up. Another verse in in Luke says it this way, that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer or to connect with God. It was a rhythm. He often, a rhythm in his life. Friends, for me, I call it my 15 minutes a day with God. And for some of you, you're going, are you kidding me? You're a pastor. You should be praying for like hours. And I go, I'm sorry. I just don't want to lie to you and pretend like I am something that I'm not. I have a rhythm in my life where I do my best to spend 15, sometimes it's 20, some days it's 10, where I just crack open my Bible. I read a couple chapters. Sometimes I journal. Sometimes I don't if I'm racing you know, in life. But I try and slow myself down to connect with God. And two of the best ways that I do it is by reading my soap card. And some of you are like, again, I'm new. What is the soap thing? You know, like, that's weird. It's this idea. We have verses on the back that just help us know, you know, just kind of develop the rhythm of where do I go? I mean, where do I pick up in the Bible? How do I even do that? Well, soap stands for scripture, reading, observation, kind of what is this trying to, you know, say, application. What does it mean for me personally? And then prayer. Others of you maybe have never read the Bible, then we have this one called My First. They're all at next steps. It's my First is there's some of the best first passages of Scripture that, that will feel you brave. They'll fill you up and move you forward. That's what I do in life. And I actually got this habit or this you know, rhythm after hearing a guy named Bill Hybels. Quite honestly, he's one of the pastors who speaks life into me. not personally over the phone call, but just for the longest time I've been following him. I listen in on Monday mornings to what he's teaching on, and he's kind of like a pastor to me from afar. And if I can, I just want to show you a short video of him sharing a story of somebody's 15 minutes with God and how it impacted their life. Take a peek at the side screens.
1: An advertising executive... Came down to talk to me after a service, and he had just become a Christian. I had I had baptized him at the church, and so, and uh, he said, I, "I just can't make time for a meeting with God." He said, "You have no idea what it's like to commute downtown every day, and you live in a different world." I, I can't. I just can't fit it, fit that kind of thing into my life. And I remember looking at this young guy, hard charging young guy, and and I said, "Here's my experience, and I'm not, you know, I'm only like 24 years old, so." There it is. I said, I've always been able to make time for stuff I value. Just how my life works. If I value something, I'll make time to experience it. If I don't, I won't. And I'm making time for a meeting with God in my life. You do it any way you want. And uh, he wasn't too happy with me that day, I don't think. And I didn't see him for a while. And then afterwards, I saw him many months later. And when he came down to talk to me, his countenance was different he felt different his conversation was different and he invited Lynn and me he and his wife invited Lynn and me to go over to their house for dinner so we accepted he lived right in the area and so we go over to their house and uh, as we're kind of just having some appetizers beforehand he takes me over to a rocking chair and he says you know how you challenged me to have a meeting with God and to just to make the time he said I, I've, I love rocking chairs so I bought a good one And you said that maybe if you're going to make this repeatable and enjoyable, you should look at some scene or vista that you enjoy looking at. And he said, I've got a little backyard here, and I love looking over the backyard. So he said, I I just bought this chair, and I put it at my favorite window where I can overlook the backyard. And he said, I got up a half hour earlier, 15, 20 minutes, half hour earlier each day, the last several months. I sit in the chair, I have a cup of coffee, and he goes... I read God's Word. I try to make sense of it. I ask Him to speak to me by His Word. Then I meditate on it, reflect it, apply it to my life. Then he said, I write some thoughts down in a journal and I pray. I pray that I will be more aware of His presence in my life. And I said, how's, how's that going for you? And his wife jumped in and said, I'll tell you how it's going for him. He's a changed guy. What happens to him when he sits in that chair, has changed him. He's more centered. He's a more gentle and loving man in our marriage and to our children. I was very impressed with this, that he could show me his chair, that he had taken the time, that he had fashioned a meeting with God that he looked forward to. Because he liked the chair, he liked the view, he liked the coffee, he was a morning guy. And he fell into this pattern. many months later, uh, I had coffee with him one time, and he said, I'm thinking about leaving my job in advertising. He said, it just, it, um, I think I'm done with that. I said, where'd you get these ideas? And he said, well, in my meetings with God in the chair. <laughs> That's, he's been putting those thoughts in my mind. I said, what are you going to do? And he said, maybe I'll just help you build the church. I said, well, no one's getting paid around here, you know. <laughs> And he said, well, I've done pretty well in advertising. I can hold on for a while, and and, uh, maybe if the church grows, you know, then maybe they can help me and my family in some way. And I said, well, you better go back to that chair and see if God's really in this because I don't want to take responsibility for your life and all this. And he said, okay, I will, and came back about a month later, and he said, you know, I I gave notice at at work, and if it's all the same to you, I'm just going to help you start building the church. Pay me what you can, but it's not a concern of mine. And this guy joined our staff. And I'm telling you, he was a hardworking, energized, joyful, uh, industrious individual that really, really helped our church and was on our staff for many, many years. One of the best staff members in the early days of the church. Then one day he comes into my office and he said, you know, I, I still do that meeting with God in that chair, that rocking chair. And he said, God's been stirring in my life, in my meetings with God. And he said, a friend of mine starting a brand new church in Colorado and I think I'm going to pack my family up and move to Colorado. I said, can they support you? He said, no, I'm going to have to go back into the marketplace and make some money because they, they can't afford anything. And uh, I said, you, are you ready to do that? And he said, you know, every morning, I talk to God about it. And he said, I'm really fired up about it. So he said goodbye to him, and he packed his family up, and he went out, and he went back into advertising, made a lot of money, and gave most of it to the startup church. And it became a fantastic church. And then in that same chair that he moved out to Colorado, sitting at a window in the morning like he had done for many, many years now, he processed a bad medical report he got from the doctor that cancer had come his way. And he kept working, and he kept supporting that church, and uh, he got sicker and sicker. It was a very fast-spreading kind of cancer. And uh, then he was hospitalized, and one of the great losses he felt when he was in the hospital is that he didn't have his chair. And he died quite soon thereafter, and I did his funeral in Colorado. And I was talking to his widow, his wife, uh, at the funeral, reception afterwards. I said, that was something about that chair, wasn't it? She said, his whole life changed in that chair. I said, what are you going to do with the chair? And she said, we are going to pass that chair on to our children and on to our grandchildren in the hopes that someone would sit in it like Tom did. And have their life transformed. Simple question, gang. Where's your chair?
0: Where's your chair? I uh, I should probably just stay on my notes, but I just when I was watching that, I'm like, man. Some of the bravest moves that I've made because of watching that and, and having this rhythm in my life of connecting with God like that, I've made with a whole lot more courage because I've processed them with God. And if I could, if I could send you out with one new habit, it would be 15 minutes a day it doesn't matter if you're in the pickup truck, you know, at a job site or at your desk, you know, working in a corporate setting. It does not matter where or if stay at home or working, Mom. Just, you, just try to carve out a sliver of time with God. Connect with him. It was a rhythm that Jesus had and it fueled him for life. He also connected with others. But let me just tell you, it was different than just going, like, how's your fantasy football team doing? You know, like, that wasn't really the connecting thing that Jesus was, like, super hyped up about. That's great. I mean, super fun question to get excited about here. Or it wasn't even like, can we place another order of this product that you want? That's fine to just connect like that. But there was something deeper, something that the author of Hebrews kind of noted. And it says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another. Connect with God. But Jesus also connected with others. It was was something that he asked us to do that would increase our brave to motivate one another. When you motivate somebody, they just end up feeling like they can take the day more. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us neglect not neglect meeting together as some people do, huge, but encourage one another. So... What are some habits of the brave? We're going to pray like it matters. We're going to develop godly rhythms. And the third thing, if you're still writing notes, is we're going to do hard things. Do hard things. Now, this is not maybe initially what you think. I'm not asking you to go climb you know, Everest or do a home remodel. You know, like the hard things. is a little bit different. I'm talking about the hard things of self-reflecting on where you're at currently and what things you need to break free from. Do hard things. To kind of do it acronym style, uh, H would stand for humble yourself. Brave people aren't afraid to humble themselves. Humble themselves before a co-worker, a friend, get to a spot where you're willing to say, I'm hurt. Or you need to forgive somebody else this humble word is this pride stuff in us when we can humble ourselves and go hey i'm going to get rid of pride i'm just telling you it's one of the secrets to a healthy marriage when you can humble yourself the the a stands for admit your wrongs and weaknesses i mean one of the things that i teach almost weekly to our staff is the two hardest phrases to say is i'm hurt and i'm sorry and if you can do that, if you can admit that you maybe have hurt somebody else or, or you can just you know kind of suck it up to a spot, forgive me for that language, of saying, I am sorry. I messed up. I screwed up. It's a brave thing. The R stands for repent from sin. That's a real churchy way of saying break some bad habits. I needed an R, okay? Repent from sin. It's not easy to do that. Just so you know that Word repent literally means to do this thing called to turnaround. It's to, to turn 180 degrees. It's you were heading one way and then you feel like God's kind of asking you to take a step of faith and to move something out of your life, to break something that, that has been bogging you down and you say, you know what, that means I need to repent. I need to turn and go a different direction. I can't, I can't keep doing what I've been doing. I have to have something else in my life, and the D stands for "determined to obey." Do something hard. Brave people do. It's a habit that they're willing to embrace. I'm going to do some hard things. That's nice and loud. <laughs> I'm going to do some hard, but I'm going to determine not to give up. And again, I'll just tell you, when I oftentimes hear God prompt my life, you know, speak to my spirit, ask me to do something. It's when I'm spending 15 minutes a day with God. And I'll hear him say something like, hey, I think maybe you, City Point, you guys should give away shoes to the entire elementary school. And I'm going, how in the world are we going to figure that out? And he's not asking me to do that. He's just saying, are you willing to obey? You willing to do that? A month ago, Maybe it was a couple weeks. I don't remember. I'm in my time with God, and I'm reading, and then all of a sudden this idea comes, and I'm like, oh, that just sounds really hard, and I still don't know how to figure it out, except I felt like maybe City Point Church, and maybe you're the answer to it. I don't know, but I felt like we were supposed to offer to the entire city, maybe county, maybe region, free haircuts for kids as they go back to school, just something that came to me. I'm like, why did I, stop giving me those ideas. I literally thought that. I don't don't want to be the owner of that. But the truth is I do. I want to have God speak to me and I want to be determined to obey no matter what the cost is and just go deal. God, if you're speaking, then I'm gonna go. It's one of the ways we built this church. On this phrase, we go with God. The brave, they do that. They do hard things. They develop godly rhythms. And they pray like it matters. And the last thing that you can write down, a habit of the brave, is to believe the best is yet to come. They just believe that the best is yet to come in life. Just so you know, I actually think that's a habit. I don't think it's just a personality. And some of you might have a lean towards being optimistic. But I think it's a choice. I think it's a, it's a spot that you find yourself in where you say, you know what, instead of losing hope, I'm gonna hold on to it and believe that there's something better ahead of me. I'm not gonna stop believing. I mean, even the band Journey would tell you the same thing. they say, don't stop, believe. I don't know if Ryan can do that right now off the spot, but he can't. So. But I'm telling you what, life is so hard sometimes and if we don't have this habit of going there's more in store i know it's a tough spot for us right now maybe it's your marriage or a relationship or you and a kid but i have to believe better's in store i have to have the faith to believe that if i develop some rhythms and i pray and i and i go with god on this stuff that the best is yet to come i not i might not be able to see it now but I believe it. It's literally why the author of Corinthians wrote it this way. His name is Paul. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. You might not be able to see it, hear it right now, but no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Well, does God love me? That sounds really good, but Tony... Have you seen my life? Do you know really what I've been a part of? And again, you've heard this if you've been around here. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, or what's been done to you. God is crazy about you. And he offers his love to you through Jesus. The best is yet to come. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Verse 17, it's my favorite verse because it's the best is yet to come packaged in such a beautiful way. It says anyone who belongs to Jesus. It could just say the best is yet to come. Anyone who belongs to Jesus has become a new person. That's great news. The old life is gone. The best is is yet to come. The new life has begun. We talk about it being the faith line, taking a step of faith, going God, I, I could pull up my own bootstraps and I could kind of work my way, but it's not getting me anywhere. God, I, I know I need something more, so I'm gonna believe that you gave Jesus for the Price of my sin so that I could move forward, so I could break some habits, so that I could have a relationship with you, and if I just trust, and if I just accept your love, and I'm willing to take a step of faith and move my hope from being on myself to in Jesus, then the best is yet to come. Friends, I wonder if some of you come in these doors today and you've lost hope and you start to feel like brave is just slipping away, and i would just tell you, would you let yourself be anchored back in to what Jesus thinks about you, and would you just start to say, oh man, with faith, I'm gonna pray like it matters. I'm gonna, today I'm gonna develop some some rhythms, some godly rhythms that fuel this in my life. I'm gonna do some hard things, and I'm gonna cut off some of the stuff that's holding me back, and I'm going to get rid of some of the junk that's destroying my marriage, or destroying my work ethic, and I'm going to go with God, I'm going to start believing. The best is yet to come. Again, me and Carrie, we celebrated our 10th anniversary a couple weeks ago. And I remember driving home from Iowa City, a great restaurant that we went to, and I was just starting to tear up. I was listening to a song. We were listening to our wedding songs. I know that's sappy to some of you guys, but eat it, okay? And so... I'm, I'm tearing up and, and I just look over and I tell Kara, I'm like, You've seen, you haven't seen anything yet. The best is coming for us. The next 10 years is gonna be better than the first 10 and that's gonna be a miracle because the first 10 were incredible. Some of you, your last 10 months have been hard and you felt yourself addicted and confused and lonely and you're in a spot right now and you're just, you're begging me to tell you that the best is yet to come. Your next 10 months, when you pray like it matters, when you develop some rhythms, when you're doing some hard things and you're believing that the best is yet to come, your next 10 can be way better than your last 10. Others of you are gonna leave here. And you know, God has been stirring within you this whole time a phone call that needs to be made. And you're going to make the phone call. And it's going to be maybe a tough 10 minutes, but the best will be yet to come. Friends, the one thing that holds us back is fear. It's fear. Some of you are going, oh, man, I don't know. Can I take a step of faith today? Can I I trust Jesus? And I just want to tell you, God's right there in the midst of your fear, reaching out his hand going, hey, if you'll just take a step, if you'll just come, we'll start doing this thing together. I want to pray with you, and then we're going to sing a song that will really drive this message home. God, thanks so much for today. Thanks so much for this group. And I want to pray in a special way that these next few moments would be yours speaking to us. That we remind ourselves that fear cannot be the driver of our lives. That faith in you, brave, has got to increase in us. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Hey, why don't you receive this as you go? All right. Some faith building prayer. So we're going to pray like it matters together right now. Jesus, right now, we just want to pray. There's a lot of us who are in a spot in life where it feels dark. We just heard the bad news. Maybe we pulled up into the parking lot and it was just thick and we just feel it. And Right now, God, we're asking that you would increase our brave because we placed it in you, Jesus. I ask right now that we would move from fear to brave. That we would take that step together as a church. That we'd leave here placing our brave in you. God, help us to just remember that there's habits of the brave. And let us pray, let us be the ones who pray for our spouses and our kids. God, would you give us the courage to start new rhythms and, and to connect with you and to do the hard things. And God, I just pray that this church, from this moment on, would be brave and believe the best is yet to come. While you're praying, let me just tell you something. I don't know what God's gonna do this fall. But I just have a hunch that we're gonna see God do some miracles in and through our region because of our church. I just get a sense that it's just gonna be something that we go, where are all these people coming from? And we're gonna be able to meet needs that we've never thought we'd be able to meet. And so I'm believing that the first two years of our church was great, but the next two are gonna be even greater. I'm gonna believe the best is yet to come. And Jesus, we do it because you. And we pray it in your name, amen. You guys have a terrific rest of your morning. We'll see you back for week three of Brave. Have fun.